From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 110. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, Fresh Books, and Pingdom. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my European brethren, Mr. Federico mm. Vitici. Hey, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's a, it's a fine evening in Rome. Uh, it's been a strange day tech-wise, like one of those days when everything stops working for some reason. Uh, but I, I would I would say, aside from the tech issues, it's been, it's been a very good day. Everything happened last week. There was so much weird tech news last week. It was kind of incredible. Yeah, it, w- it was, especially during the weekend with the Snapchat news, <laughs> it was all kinds of strange. Like there was a leak... And there was Snapchat, and there was yep. people started talking about Google and what they're about to announce. Uh, it was strange. I don't know. I feel like the past week has been strange. I don't know if it's me or if maybe in general. I mean, and then there was the thing at The Verge, right? Yeah, that was super <laughs> odd. And I don't know, I guess the, the quick reaction from people on Twitter. So if you don't know what we're talking about, The Verge put out an editorial note from Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge, uh, about one of the actually, I think one of the co-founders of The Verge. Um, what's the name? Chris Siegler. Chris Siegler. Uh, apparently, The Verge found out uh, in early September after is he was I wouldn't say missing, but stopped communication, stopped going to work uh, in late July. They found out almost a month later that he got hired by Apple, and so they needed to conduct this sort of internal what would you say interview audit. Audit, yeah, I guess, uh, to make sure that there was no conflict of interest, that it didn't influence any coverage of Apple. And it was a very odd situation because Super weird. then some people started saying, yeah, but Chris Siegler, we don't see his name in the Apple internal directory. Other people saying, yeah, but he's, Chris Siegler is actually an alias. It's not his real name. And it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know the guy, uh, but uh, I just hope he's okay, you know, because it sounds a little concerning. Uh, no communication, no tweets, no nothing from this person. So I just hope he's okay. You know, and it sort of became a a meme quickly on Twitter. You know how these things go. Um, so I just hope he's okay, and you know, the the verge, every, everyone's fine, and you know, can go back to work. Really, it was really strange. Anyway, Stephen's not here this week. Uh, he is at the release notes conference this week, and he's speaking. So good luck, buddy, if you're out there anywhere and you're listening to us we'd like to wish you the very best of luck um as an update to steven's hissing story uh he received a new seven plus there was no kind of as far as we're aware special hand in this um it was basically just the the open ticket that he had with apple care came through and his local store got a seven plus in matte black which he's then picked up and he's been using it and hasn't had any issues so it seems like it's now been fixed and everything's hunky-dory again nice and i Um, think what what did his what did his video do i haven't thought to look maybe i should go and check it right now and see how many views it got up to in the end uh 1.44 1,447,161 so he's approaching 1.5 million views on his on his uh, hissing video, but I think we can finally put Hissgate to bed. Yeah, that was crazy, right? The, the amount of views that he got—it <laughs> yep. was really impressive. And it was such a, in a way, such a simple video, right? It's like 20 seconds of, of noise, and it goes on to sort of prove just how viral YouTube can be and how many people 
uh, use YouTube, like the media in TV shows and talk shows. You know, it's just it's just insane to me to have that kind of you know popularity for such mm -hmm. a relatively simple video. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, and you know, it worked out well for Steven. That's virality, though, right? Like that's just how it goes. Talking of um, like hissing and stuff like that, I saw a, a link go by today from um, the Cult of Mac. And so this is kind of, you know, the, I think at this point it's just like one source, but no one really knows the answer yet. But it's really interesting if it's the case that a, a replaced Galaxy Note 7 caught fire. Oh, really? Yeah. Even the replacement. Are we sure it's a replacement? <laughs> this was a replaced version. Maybe Samsung actually got the replacement wrong. Well, that should be... There's this like software thing, isn't there? I don't know if you've seen this, but any of the replaced ones, the battery is green. They have like a battery icon on the, on oh, the yeah. phone. It's green to indicate that it's from the newer batch or one of the replaced ones. Um, but this guy, he ordered one now and it, and it was still going, but apparently it was one of the replaced ones. I'll put a link in the show notes, but like just... Imagine if it continues, like, oh my god, they will be they will be over. I have this theory, by the way, that I, I, I haven't shared with you yet about um, what Samsung are going to do next, because obviously this has been very unfortunate for them, right? Mm -hmm. And they're gonna, they will come back from this because they're Samsung. Um, I mean, and it, this all plays very well for Google, because they've got their, an event next week, right, where it looks like they're going to unveil a new phone um, TBC on how that's all going to work out. We'll probably we'll talk about it next week, actually, because the event is on ne is on next Tuesday, so it might be fun to see what Google are up to. But I have a theory about Samsung that they're going to, and I, I, this is not a joke. This is completely serious. That I think that they're going to give a new name to this product line. They're going to call it like Arctic or something. Like mm. I genuinely think they're going to give it some kind of name that means cold, or like all the colors will be like Arctic blue and frost white and stuff like that <laughs> to try it. Uh, I'm I. This is not me trolling. I I seriously think this is what they're going to do because this is what I would do if I was in charge of Samsung marketing. That because the note the Note Seven and the Note name has been tarnished now, so they need they they should be giving it a new name anyway. I think, and I think they need to go for something cold related. Anywho, let's actually get into the show rather than just this weird technology show that I've decided to host. You should work for Samsung. Why don't you write a letter to the marketing team? I don't want them taking my ideas. They'll never hear it if it's here, but if I write to them, they might take it. <laughs> Matthew wrote in to let us know that Carrot Weather, my favorite weather application, is now implementing, as of just a few days ago, the new subscription method. Oh, so you, nice. When I was talking last week about where are all the subscription apps, well, here's one of them. And the way that they're doing it is the app is still a paid upfront application, but this was something that they previously had before is you could subscribe to a premium level, which would get you stuff like watch complications. Yes. Um, now they have moved that to a $2.49 auto-renewing subscription. It was previously a non-auto-renewing subscription. Sure. Um, but now that's been changed over, so the Carrot Weather uh, app made by Carrot is now, uh, or Grail LLC, I can't say the name, uh, is now one of these applications that's implemented the auto renewing subscriptions that are new. 
Mm, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, you know, Carrot is the kind of app that I would actually subscribe to. It's been in development for many years. Uh, it's always been updated for the latest uh, iOS versions and features. Um, and it makes sense to add more functionality through subscriptions, especially, I think, for something like a complication, which is which is a feature that you put on a watch. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense, you know, as long as you keep wearing your watch, you're going to have the extras. Uh, the extras through their subscription, so I think it's I think it makes sense, and I think the 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 carrot weather audience is especially dedicated to the app. You know, the, yep. they have some really strong fans and some really strong advocates for the app. I'm one of them, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I Me too. Absolutely love carrot weather. I use it multiple times a day. I I very rarely open the application itself. Um, I use the notification center widget or whatever it's called now today widget. Today widget, and I use the watch app mostly because the watch app is superb. It's always worked really, really well. Um, even on WatchOS two, it loaded fast and quickly. And I use the complication. I like the little one because you can customize it. And I have the little one on on the uh, what what watch face do I use? The simple watch face, and I just have the temperature and then the icon next to it to show the current weather condition. So it shows a little sun or a little cloud or a rainy badge, depending on where you are in the world. I see cloud and rainy badge quite a lot. <laughs> of course you do. 17 degrees Celsius, a cloud and a moon is what I see right now on my watch. So yeah, I wanted to mention this because it was an example of an application that's moved to these auto-renew subscriptions that everyone was talking about, and also because I think you should get Carrot Weather. Um, this is not a sponsorship. I just think it's a fantastic application. Yeah, Gabriel created now we know gabriel gabriel has created artwork for us in the past do you remember your uh federico vatici protest with the oh iPad yes book? i do the protest sign that was glorious this gabriel did this for us before and he after last week's episode created uh, a movie poster stephen potter and the historian's gate which is amazing and it's all three of us in cloaks <laughs> looking down at a hissing ipad and it's full of harry potter jokes uh yeah. this is funny no matter whether you are a harry potter fan or not I think you're still gonna gonna or get a kick out of it. If you're on a Steve, if you're a Stephen fan, also, especially if you're a Stephen fan, exactly, exactly. Of which you know there are many, including me and you. Yes, I'm a fan of Stephen. I am a fan of Stephen. Yeah, it's a shame Very... he's not here to receive this adulation. Yeah. So you will find Gabriel's amazing artwork in our show notes this week. Federico Vitici, where can people find our show notes? Oh, they can go to it. This is actually a trick question, Mike. You haven't been doing this in a while. Exactly. Um, it's not a trick question. It's, it's still an accurate question. It's just uh, a it's, surprise. It's kind, of a, kind of a surprise, tricky question. I know what you're doing, by the way. You're stalling it. No, no, no. I'm looking, I'm looking. No, I'm looking at the document. Really.fm slash connected slash 110. And you will find. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes. Mm. Uh, all, all the great episodes. And you're going to find all of the great show notes uh through that link uh you know the deal by going with the web browser and you know don't let me repeat the instructions again yeah but you, yes they get it by now yeah. so we did we've done 110 episodes of this show we did 57 episodes of the prompt so we're 167 episodes into this shindig <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of tired of you, Mike. <laughs> okay, well, let's give you some time to talk <laughs> the then. Sh- uh, the show is over. See ya. <laughs> see ya. Uh, you got an iPhone 7 finally. I did. It's a review unit um, from so Apple. Fancy. Disclaimer. So fancy. <laughs> yeah, no, not fancy. Anyway, um, waiting for a Plus unit 
Um, because they don't exist in Europe right now, really. Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's problem. Short, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a serious problem. No pluses for anybody. Especially if you want the black versions. No, the the, the black, the jet black is really nowhere to be found. Um, but I'm waiting uh, for a plus unit. I've been using this uh, smaller iPhone 7, so I'm coming from an iPhone 6s Plus. I've been in the hashtag plus club for uh, the past two years. Um, Michael was the one who uh, inducted me into the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that I've got used to the bigger iPhone. And it's been a little, a little of a sh- a bit of a shock to go back to the smaller version. And I'm still not used to it. I still think I prefer the bigger iPhone. But I was curious to check out the new iPhone 7 features. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm working on some kind of story. I don't know the details yet, but I'm trying to collect my notes and thoughts. And I feel like I can still appreciate the new features in the iPhone 7, at least the ones that I can try. So I would say three things stood out to me. Uh, the home button, I actually love it. Uh, it's different from before for sure, but I think it, I think it's simpler to use at least for me. I don't know, but I'm uh, I went back to the to the iPhone 6s, and I found the mechanical version to be so I don't know, fidgety. I I, I cannot describe it. Like it feels old, and I prefer the new version. It's kind of trippy when the phone is turned off and you press mm-hmm. it and it doesn't do anything. But I got used to the to the click. I got used to the feeling of it. And I think in the future, this is like a first step. It's kind of awkward for now because it's still the shape of a button and it's still down there. But I feel like we're truly moving to uh, to an iPhone where the home button is some, somehow built into the screen. So like my feelings on the home button, uh, they're not changing a lot, but they're, they're solidifying in that. I think it's fine. You know, I quite like the, the, the number three option. I think that the amount of feedback that it gives you is great. Um, but I just think that it is a regression in some ways. So whilst I think the actual um, when you get the click, when you when you hit it and you press it, I think it's more satisfying because it's more of like a really like you did this, like, you know, it's yeah. letting you know about it. Yes. You know? But using it, if, especially if you have a case on your phone on like a desk, it feels terrible. I don't know if you tried this. Um, like it barely feels like there's any click because you're yeah. not feeling it with the, with your hand around the back of the phone. So that's one thing I don't like. And the other is that. There are times, and it does happen to me at least, you know, daily. I would say it happens more often, more days often than not, really, where I attempt to hit the button in some way and it doesn't fire. Um, and that could be that something's obstructed it, which does happen with me. Um, and, or it could be with like my fingernail or something like that where I'm clicking it and I'm missing. Um, I don't know if this has happened much to you, but uh, I do feel that to be a, a regression in that way. But overall, no, t- the feeling of the button I do find to be more pleasurable. Uh, I just just find that part a shame. Yeah, I haven't uh, run into the problem of the fingernail or the cloth mm-hmm. uh, between my finger and, and the button. So that's not been a problem. I did notice the um, having the phone on a desk. It happened to me once, actually, today. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. I I, I don't think I I it's a problem for me uh, because it like most of the time I'm not putting my phone mm-hmm. on a desk and clicking the button on a desk. I mean, they're not problems in the you know you know. I, I really want to preface it like I don't think that it's a, necessarily a problem with the phone. It's a downside. It is just a curious flaw in the new system, right? Like it's yeah. it's yeah. less good than before because of those things, but better in other ways because of other yeah. things. You know? Yeah. 
Um, the second feature that I wanted to mention is the white color stuff. Oh, and by stuff, amazing? I mean the photography and the screen. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I was reading tweets from people before I got the iPhone 7 saying, once you compare photos from the iPhone 6S and the iPhone 7, you really do notice the difference. I was like, yeah, those are artsy people. I don't care about that stuff. But <laughs> I did take a picture on the iPhone 7 and I took the same picture on my iPhone 6S Plus and boy, do you notice the difference. Like, it's it's absolutely impressive. Uh, the colors from the old photographs, they seem washed out uh, as if there's no there's no life to them. I don't know how to describe this. You got to see it in person and it's uh, y- you can appreciate the difference more if you compare the same picture with the same lightning, the same conditions from, you know, taken on two, two different iPhones. Uh, and looking at white color uh, photos on the display is just amazing. Uh, the only the only thing missing from the display, of course, is the True Tone mm-hmm. feature of the iPad Pro. So hopefully, in the future, we'll get that. Uh, and the third aspect, Mike, uh, that I need to mention, with one downside, is the speakers. So the speakers are amazingly loud. Uh, I wouldn't say iPad Pro loud, but much louder than the old iPhone. Um, I listen to music on my iPhone speaker, uh, uh, dual speaker now, uh, quite often, and I and I enjoy it instead of putting on headphones. You know, especially when I'm alone, I prefer to have speakers uh, because I feel less isolated, I guess. But what I noticed is that they consume more battery, and it's noticeable, like the amount of battery life that decreases when you're using when you're listening to music on your iPhone. I saw, I think, uh, my friend Ryan. Uh, Jonesy on Twitter, uh, he was tweeting about uh, battery consumption with the dual speaker on the iPhone 7 with Overcast, and I think I have found the same to be true with music. Uh, so of course, I mean, there's another speaker, so it drives more power and you know takes more battery life out of the iPhone. Uh, makes sense, just uh, you know something to keep in mind. In fact, I went to check in the battery settings, and of course, music is like 30% in there, so it makes sense. But the speakers sound very loud, and it's very very nice. Yeah, they are really great. I mean, Apple said on stage it was two times louder. I don't think it doesn't seem that way to me, but it's much louder. Um, it's it's loud enough that I don't need my iPad for a lot of the times where I would have for uh, for podcasts and stuff to listen around the house. You know. Yeah. Um, you got some beats, didn't you? And I want to talk about yeah. your experience here with the the new beats that Apple have with that new chip in them. Uh, but before we do that, I think we should take a, a quick break to talk about right. our first sponsor for this week, and that is FreshBooks, the company on a mission to help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes with running their own businesses. It all starts with pain-free invoicing. They've created an incredibly intuitive tool to make sending invoices simple. I actually had a call with FreshBooks last week and they gave me a demo of the new FreshBooks, which you can get if you sign up now. They've had a complete overhaul of their system and oh boy, boy oh boy, it looks incredible. My favorite thing about the new FreshBooks is when you create an invoice, they have now built like a WYSIWYG system. So everything that you type in, all of the fields that you type in, all of the prices and all of the information, it's all being put into a WYSIWYG view. So what you're typing in is exactly how it ends up showing on the invoice that you sent to someone. And obviously the the information's always been correct, but you could set themes and templates and fonts on your invoices, which you've always been able to do at FreshBooks, but then you wouldn't see how that looked until you actually sent it and downloaded the PDF. 
But now, with the new FreshBooks, when you build that invoice, you'll be able to see exactly how it's going to show up in the inbox of your client. This is just one of the many new things in the brand new FreshBooks that I'm going to tell you about. And you can go and try it out for yourself by going to freshbooks.com slash connected and you can sign up and you'll be straight on board. But it's another thing that I really like. FreshBooks are migrating their old customers over. So if you're a current, a current FreshBooks customer and they're doing this in a really smart way, they are notifying their customers when all of the features that they use, that FreshBooks know that this person uses, has been implemented in a new version. So you're not going to be ported over and you can't do that thing that you do every week. I love that. So I think this is a really smart way of moving people over. So you'll get an invite when it's ready for you. So you're not moving over and being all confused. I think that's a really great way. And that is just another example of FreshBooks' superior customer service. This is something that they believe greatly in and making the best experience for their customers and also providing fantastic support as well. FreshBooks have tons of things that will help make your invoice and all of your money stuff run way smoother in your business. FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average because they make it so simple to integrate many payment options and make it easy for your clients to pay you. I want you to go and try it out for yourself today. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. Claim your 30 days of unrestricted use by going to freshbooks.com slash connected. And then when you sign up, enter the code word connected in the how you heard about a section so FreshBooks knows that you came to them from this very show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of Connected and Relay FM. So Federico, you were interested in trying out the what are they? The Beats Solo Three, the new Beats that have the Apple W One chip in them. Yes, yes. Um, and they kind of launched in Italy a couple of days ago, and you got a pair. Yeah. So I would like to hear all about your experiences. So I wanted to to try the new W1 chip, which is on the Beats Solo 3, the Beats X, and the new Power Beats. Uh, it's the same chip and, um, in theory, the same experience that you will get with the AirPods. But because the AirPods are not coming out until late October, I was like, well, you know, uh, I should probably get the Solo 3 so I should I can see what, it, what it's all about. And now, uh, disclaimer, I tried first on the iOS 10.1 beta, and I had some issues. So before complaining publicly, I went back to the stable uh, iOS 10 beta and allow me to have an aside, Mike. I didn't know you can downgrade from a beta of the same major iOS version without losing data without losing data on your device. I didn't know that either. Used to be that you had to... Yeah, used to be that you needed to... So if you wanted to downgrade from a newer version to an older version, you needed to put your iPhone in DFU mode. Uh, and then you will lose everything, and you couldn't even restore from a backup of the of the latest version because you were on an older version. But I guess since iOS 9, maybe earlier, you can now, if you're on the same major version, so version 10, and if you want to go back from 10.1 to 10.0.2, you can do that. And once you update through iTunes, uh, you get a screen on your device which says attempting to restore data and it's like a progress bar and when you when you're done you've downgraded to an older version with the same apps the same data like like it's a software update but actually you went back which is kind of neat and i googled it and i think it's been available since ios 9 maybe earlier i don't know anyway aside closed um 
I take the beats out of the box and there's a, a, a new instruction manual that says if you're on iOS 10, uh, you can do the easy pairing. And it's done by pressing the power button on the beats for one second until uh, a quick pairing screen pops up on your device. It's the same screen that you've probably seen with the Apple TV setup in iOS 10. It's the same uh, dialogue that you will get with the AirPods. And so I take the beats out, I press the power button, and nothing happens. I'm like, okay, I'm probably doing something wrong. Uh, so I went, I go back to check the the instructions, and it says if you want to do the standard Bluetooth stuff, it's five seconds. Uh, it's if you want to do the easy pairing, just make sure the device is within five centimeters of the Beats headphones and press for one second. Okay, I try again. Nothing happens. Five centimeters is very close. Yeah, it has to be close. Uh, same for the Apple TV. It says you get up, hold your iPhone up to the Apple TV if you want to start the setup. Uh, so I lock my phone, uh, unlock the phone again. Uh, I put in um, airplane mode. I disable airplane mode again. I try the setup and it works. So it was probably stuck um, trying to find Bluetooth devices. I don't know. Anyway, uh, after the, the airplane mode trick, it works. Uh, the pairing takes one second and it says done and it shows you the battery life level right inside of this dialogue, which is very nice. And I'm like, okay, now I want to listen to some music and I play some, mu- some music and it works. Uh, it's, you know, good audio quality for, you know, beat solo headphones. So in theory, uh, the feature of these W1 powered headphones is that once you do the first pairing on an iPhone, if you're logged in with an iCloud account, this is also written on the booklet. You can switch to these headphones without doing any pairing on an iPad from Control Center or from a macOS uh, computer from the menu bar. Uh, because like the pairing information propagates across devices using your, your iCloud account. So I pause music on my phone, I unlock my iPad, and there's no <laughs> Beats Solo 3 in Control Center. And I'm like, okay, I should probably reboot my iPad. Maybe it got stuck. Uh, so I reboot the iPad and nothing. At this point, uh, the music on the phone was paused. Uh, so I play music again and it works on the iPhone. Then I power off the Beats headphones, turn them on again, and at that point, everything stopped working. Uh, the On the iPhone, I could no longer connect to the headphones. They were not showing up on my iPad and I thought, okay, maybe it's a beta issue. So let's downgrade. Let's go back to the latest stable version of iOS 10 and see if it works. So I go back to the stable version of iOS 10. It takes about an hour. Thank God for my fiber connection. Um, I do the so I forget the device uh, from the Bluetooth settings on of the iPhone. And when you do forget a W1 powered device, you get an uh, an additional message that says if you forget this device. Uh, the information will also be removed from iCloud. So I was like, well, if you if it actually is an iCloud, I don't know, but sure, okay. So I forget the device, and I do the pairing again. And that's when things really got weird. Um, so my iPhone's audio started, like, going crazy. Like, the music app was no longer responsive. Um, any... Like, when I took a screenshot, I would hear no sound in the headphones, but I would hear the screenshot sound 
on my iPhone five seconds later. Okay. Like five solid seconds later. Um, and anytime I tapped on, on control center, when I tapped on Beats headphones, the audio actually went back to my iPhone speakers. And if I tried to select the Beats headphones in the music app, the music app froze and I needed to quit the app. And at that point, the audio on my, on my iPhone wasn't usable, but the Beats headphones were showing up on my iPad thanks to iCloud. When right. I tapped them on my iPad, they did nothing. So at that point, you know, after an hour spent debugging this problem, you can guess I was starting to, to be frustrated and I took it to Twitter. And unfortunately, a lot of people said, you know, that does sound like a, like a defective unit. And I tried the standard Bluetooth pairing and it was failing. I tried to reset my network information on the iPhone and the iPad. I tried to reset the Beats headphones. And after I did all of these resets, the easy pairing screen no longer comes up. I can only try to pair with the, with the usual uh, Bluetooth uh, setting screen. Uh, but when I pair, uh, the music app freezes, audio stops playing, I, uh, control center doesn't become responsive. I think I actually crashed control center twice. Wow. Uh, like when you tap on the play icon, the control center disappears because it crashes. So I think I got a bomb unit and I got to replace it. There are a couple of things at play here, right? The, the potential reasons for why this happened. One of them is that the unit is a dud. Um, one of them is that like there is something wrong with the beta and your attempt at doing this with a beta device has broken something somewhere and it might actually be in the headphones, which you can't restore, right? Like th there may have been something written in the W1's memory, if it has any, you know, and it's gotten upset, right? Like there might be something going on there. Or the uh, lesser of all of the options, I guess, is that it sucks, <laughs> right? Like there is, a, there is always the potential that it might not work as well as it should. And it might be that like 10.1 when it releases will have some additional support for this stuff because the Air AirPods aren't out yet. And I know you can buy these solo things, uh, but maybe that's less in Apple's priority and they've still got a little bit of work left to like iron out some of the bugs in this before the AirPods come out because that's where the real kind of test for this feature will be oh and there is one look like, and you know there is one final one in that like the unfortunately as much as apple tried they will never solve all of the insane problems that can happen with wireless yeah i i don't know after after i tweeted uh the uh both uh the beats support twitter account and the apple support twitter account uh sent me me uh, messages on twitter mm -hmm. and to try to explain the situation so i just I, another I, example of your so fanciness so I, I sent uh, various detailed reports of my experience. Mm -hmm. And the best part is uh, Apple is now sending me links to um, support documents. But here's the problem. Since Apple acquired Beats, um, they did something to the Beats website. So now when I go to beatsbydre.com, I get redirected to IT beatsbytrade.com which is the Italian subdomain and Apple did something here because I see beatsbytrade.com with an Apple Inc. certificate in Safari but the page is blank like there's only a cookie notice 
And great. I, I think uh, because of this domain redirect they're doing, the old support documents are no longer working. So now I need to send a screenshot of the broken website to the Apple support direct message conversation uh, because when they, they, the links they send me is just like uh, a toolbar and a cookie notice. I don't understand how any of the old support <laughs> documents that would even help you these are new products with- oh, I, also i should mention uh, apple is now saying um you should try the beats updater and you know because i i i am a beats customer we own like three pair of beats um i have the beats updater on my mac and it's up the beats updater is updated um and when i <laughs> when i connect the beats solo 3 they're not recognized by beats updater uh, so my theory is that the Beats software hasn't been actually refreshed for the new Beats devices, which now makes me wonder, how can you release a product so early that your own software updater tool doesn't recognize them? Well, it might be because it shouldn't require software updates right now, you know? like well, the- It should tell you so, because when you plug in other Beats, uh, the software update screen changes... And it tells you you're up to date. These are your Beats headphones. Thank you, Tichi. You have to do nothing. So maybe my Beats headphones are so broken they're not even recognized by a USB. Yeah. See, this this is like <laughs> what makes Beats so peculiar as a wholly owned Apple subsidiary. It's like the previous versions of iTunes have support for the new coming iPhones. So you don't have this issue when you plug an iPhone in before you've updated iTunes, right? Like, I hadn't updated iTunes in ages. I plugged my iPhone in and it knew what it was. And then it was like, hey, you need to update iTunes to download the beta for this phone. But it knew what was going on. It wasn't like, I don't know what this device is, you know? Like, and that's what makes it so peculiar that they have this piece of software that's like, I I don't know what this is. Yeah, I should also mention before I get uh, the emails and the tweets from people just trolling saying, get a better pair of headphones. Um, I own like five different types of headphones recommended by Marco Arment, which is like, uh, I think, the utmost expert that I trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the Beats headphones look nice. They look cool. I go around with them. Uh, so And, and I also think, you wanted to try out the parent stuff, right? Exactly. And uh, I don't mind the heavy bass of the Beats stuff sometimes. And I just wanted to try out the new feature. And because it was available on the Italian website, uh, you know... So let me try those. Um, but, you know, maybe better luck next time, I guess. Uh, Heavy bass is fine for European techno music, right? It's, yes. <laughs> yes. Because that's, you know, that's obviously all you listen to. So Obviously, yes. Obviously, you're a European, so European techno music. Yeah. I'm sorry that you've had such a terrible, uh, yeah. terrible time with these. You know, it's one of those scenarios like if something can go wrong all of it will go absolutely wrong. And like from the Bluetooth easy pairing to standard Bluetooth to the USB updater, like nothing is working. (laughs) So I should probably just get them replaced. If we could look at this um, little segment here as as being a place where we can maybe share air air grievance. I would like to air a grievance that I have. Okay. And, And I have been trying to live with this um, over the last couple of weeks on iOS 10, yes. I want to spend a few moments talking about the notification view. <laughs> Sounds like you had a really rough time. Like. I have had a <laughs> terrible time, and I've tried to live with it because I know that uh, I can be 
I can be quick to judge software products and I can be quick to judge hardware. I know that. I know that about myself. Um, but sometimes I get a product and I only have a day to spend with it and then I just give all of my opinions and then I have to follow up later with some others. But this is something that I've tried to live with for since the 13th of September, right? So we've got two weeks now, okay, since iOS 10 came out and I have tried to live with this for that amount of time and that is the notification view. Apple did something in iOS 10 that I will never ever understand. There used to be a toggle with your notifications to show them grouped chronologically or grouped within application chronologically. So you could see one long list grouped by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of all the notifications you have on your notification view or you could see Tweetbot, Airmail and it would sort them within the little application by their date and then would move the application that had the most recent notification to the top. Am I making sense? So if you had Airmail and Tweetbot there and then Tweetbot got a notification, it would show that one and then bump Tweetbot to the top of your list if it was the most recent app to receive a notification. Now, the reason I love this, Federico, is because I was used to it for the entire history of notifications on iOS. It has been this way. There has been at least this setting for the whole time that it's been around. So over these many, many years since iOS, was it four or five that notifications came in? I think it was five. I think I announced push notifications in four and then it actually ended up shipping in five. Anywho, no matter when it was, a long time, right? Over five years, um, I have gotten used to living this way. I've been told in the chat room it was iOS 5. So there you go. So many, you know, half half of the iOS timeline ago. So I would get things like, for example, someone would send me an email and I would see the notification for it. And I would be like, I want to deal with that email later. Or someone would send me a text message and I would see the notification for it. And I think to myself, I will deal with that text message later. And then notification center became a triage for all of my notifications. But if I woke up in the morning and I had... 10 Twitter notifications, five text messages, a bunch of notifications from an in-app purchase game that I'd forgotten to get rid of. I could go in and clear them out by whole application, right? So I could go in and be like, in-app purchase game, go away. Then I could be like, airmail, go away. I just want to see my messages here. And then I could think to myself, right, okay, so this is just what I've got left. I can come back and deal with this later. So you see what I'm getting at? Like I had a whole triage system built around the fact that I had all my apps siloed so I could leave them and I could get new notifications in and I could clear them all away and I could still leave airmail untouched until I wanted to go back to it later. Or I would leave it as like just a visual reminder of the fact that I had an email sitting in that application that I had to deal with. Can't do any of this anymore, Federico. I can't, I can't do it. Because I get lots of notifications because I use my phone as just like a, this is where all the notifications go. The important ones go to my watch, right? And then I will go back to triage later on the phone. That's how I've, I've been working since the watch came out and then before even. So, But now I look at this list and it's like, here is just a vomit of notifications. Everything all mixed together. And I just have to like clear them all all the time. So I get none of the benefit of the notification view saving this information for me. The only way that I can, for example, keep those two airmail notifications that I want to keep up because I know their emails I have to deal with later is to manually clear every single notification one by one. Yeah, that's what I do. I can't, I can't live like that. 
<laughs> I can't live like that. I just want to get rid of all of the Tweetbot notifications, or I want to get rid of all of the calendar notifications, or all of the yeah. Slack notifications, yeah, I but get leave it. my OmniFocus there, or leave my email there. Yeah, 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 I get it. I know a lot of people are complaining about this, and I really wouldn't be surprised if it comes back in like 10.1 or 10.2. I have like, one of the reasons that I haven't spoken about this and or anything is I've just wanted to see if I could find a reason. But I yeah. can't see a reason. No, no. Probably got cut uh, to rebuild control uh, notification center and maybe they're just waiting for enough people to complain to put it back. Well, this is my... Fo- this I'm lodging here my formal complaint. This is your formal... Okay. This is my formal complaint. It is not a bug report because we all know where they go. They're radars. This is just a formal complaint that I am lodging at this time. Okay. My complaint has been filed... There it is. One other thing whilst we're talking about notifications. But have you filed a radar? Mike? No, I have not gotten around to that yet. So what I'll do okay. is I will take this section uh, and I'll upload it somewhere and I'll put it in a radar, right? And then people can read oh, it. You got to do that. I Please. have to say, I have filed some radars. I have filed some feedback requests and I have complained on podcasts, right? Yeah. I have found that every time I complain on a podcast, it is way more effective at getting <laughs> what I want than the radar. <laughs> I can actually say the same for Mac stories, I think. It's- because I may see a change and then I feel like it's done, but the radar's is nothing. It's like, f- duped. This is a dupe. All right, well, that's no use to me. I, I take the uh, complain on a podcast route as my method of lodging official complaints. So I tell you what, if you're listening out there and you're thinking this is annoying, you should file a radar. I would love it if you would file a radar for me. (laughs) Plus, I mean, the radar interface is so bad. Like it's mobile me interface. I wish that the radar interface was like the feedback interface when you when you're on a public beta, because that one is easy to do. Yeah. The radar interface, like I barely understand what half of it is asking me to do. It makes you feel like a punishment. You know, yeah. oh, you found a bug? There you go. Use this UI. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here's some pinstripe for you. Does it still look like that? Or have they updated it now? Yeah. I can't remember. Maybe that shows how long it's been since I found no, I, I think they I think they updated it for like two days and then it went back to the old design. Just to give you a taste of what they could, could give you. Have you noticed as well that there are some notifications that you tap on and just nothing happens. Yes. I what don't is know going on here? I don't know what's up with that. I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. Actually, this makes me think of a comment that I got to share with you, Mike, and I know mm-hmm. it's going to make you happy. I need to say publicly that you were right. Oh, I love hearing that. When you said that there were some weird things about the iPhone 7 which are not necessarily complaints and not necessarily worth having, like making a big deal about them, but there's like some odd stuff. And some of it, uh, some of it got fixed with 10.0.2 with the, like the audio, you know, lightning earpods feature. Um, But there's some odd things. I don't know if it's iOS 10 or if it's the iPhone 7. I would say it's the iPhone 7 because I, I didn't see these problems on the on the 6S. And you would have seen it. But like sometimes you, you, you press the home button and something weird happens or notifications do nothing or control center crashes. Uh, there's, I don't know how to describe them. 
I'm not complaining. It's just something that I noticed, and I know that Mike also noticed. And it's it's not effective to talk about because it there's no proper way to describe it. It's just more of a it's not a feeling because I'm not making this up, but it's hard to describe because I don't know how to reproduce it. I don't know how to you know to talk about it. Just there's some weird you know there's some rough edges. That's all. And maybe it's slightly more of them than in the past. But, you know, comes with the territory, I guess. Yeah. Do you remember when um do you remember when we broke everybody's brains by telling them that the folder corner radius changes when you yeah. go from folder to home screen? Uh-huh. Like I I found a bug like that, which I know that you guys have seen. And I kind of don't want to tell people in case it ruins their phones for them. And you know what one I'm talking about, right? You mentioned something recently. It's the 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 multitasking one the multi- with the iPhone Seven. All right, I'm going to break everybody's brain. Uh, okay, here yeah, refresh my memory. Mike. Sometimes when on the new iPhones, when you double click to open multitasking, your current application just bounces down a little bit and then springs back up. It's very weird. So when you, you double-click and it's like your iPhone oh my God. was sending that application back to home, but you caught it just too late and it flies back up. It's very strange. It just my looks God. like the apps kind of bounce a little bit and yes. then they go into multitasking. Yes. I was on. I think I had my iPhone for like 45 minutes and I did it and I nearly screamed because I was like, something weird just happened, but I don't know what it was. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just broke my brain a little bit. I was like, ah, what just uh, happened? Did you, did you ever watch Scrubs? Yep. The- uh, the what's the name of the character? The Todd, when he when he says something terrible just happened, like because he could hear people in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can go for that clip. Uh, yeah, so that there's a little thing that you if you understand what I'm saying because I know it's a bit complicated to explain. Every now and then you go to close an app, you go to multitask and it. Uh, I feel like you catch the phone. I think that the uh, that the new home button is just slightly too slow for what iOS is expecting, because this never happened on my previous versions. I don't know what's going on there, but it's very peculiar. And I'm sorry uh, if I broke anybody's brains with now how they treat their phone. Yeah, once you see that problem, you you really cannot unsee it. It's one of those things. It's one of those. Um, Federico, I have been doing some research about Snapchat spectacles to teach you everything Mm. I know. I know quite a bit. Good. Then we okay. can talk about teach it. Teach me. Be, I want to teach our audience. As you want to well. teach Teachy. I want to teach Teachy, and Teachy can help me teach the Teachettes. This is so bad. Audience. This episode is brought to you by TextExpander from Smile. TextExpander puts the power of amazing text shortcuts right there in the palm of your hands. And with just a few keystrokes, you will have the ability to expand phrases, sentences, paragraphs, whatever you need access to in just a flash. Look, put simply, you will be able to communicate smarter with Text Expander. You're able to speed through and customize all your repetitive tasks, all your repetitive text that you need all the time with the use of Text Expander fill-in snippets as well. So you'll be able to just fire off a keystroke and you'll be given this little form and you just fill out a couple of options. Either you type them in or you choose from some drop-downs and then you can have paragraphs of text paste in that uh, boilerplate with just those few things changed over. I use this religiously and it makes me very, very happy. You can even transform all of that repetitive stuff into knowledge now because with Text Expanded Team subscriptions, you can share those snippets with your whole 
team and make everyone more productive. Text Expander is perfect for sharing consistent answers within a support team and consistent marketing messages across a whole company. Text Expander for Teams now also includes group statistics as well, so you can see just how much more productive your team is and which content is used most often, which is really great because then you can make sure that you have all of the all of the greatest and newest knowledge in your team shared with everyone. And once you see maybe which snippets are being fired more frequently than others within your team, you can maybe find out if there is a uh, something that you can build better within your software, within your systems, right? Because if all of your support team are sending the same message to 50 people all day, every day, maybe there's something bigger going on. If it's all just one little thing that they're helping people fix. Who knows? This is the type of stuff that you can get all the insights that you can get with the new Text Expander. You can try Text Expander for free for 30 days. And Text Expander subscriptions include software for the Mac, iPad, iPhone, and now a beta of Windows 2. Lifehacker subscriptions cost $40 a year in US and include all of the apps and the Text Expander sharing service as well. Upgrade discounts are available for registered Text Expander users. Go to smilesoftware.com/connected for more information. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so Snapchat spectacles. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a really Weird and interesting announcement. Um, the the story seemed to leak on Business Insider. I think was the place that first got it. They had this kind of um, this video that went up. Uh, that was like a, looked like an ad of some description for Snapchat spectacles, mm-hmm. and then a couple of hours later, Snapchat announced that they were building this product. So the way that I look at it is what happened was there was a leak that came out or a a video kind of leaked out a little bit early. My theory is this came from an advertising agency because this isn't the ad that they released. What this looks like to me is the third option of a campaign video. Yeah, it looks like a demo reel. Well, I tell you what it looks like from, from someone who's worked in marketing. Like you got a campaign and you have a couple of different routes that someone will go down on a campaign, right? So to show you a few different options. This feels like one of those options because the product video that they made is a Google Glass video in essence of who it's attracting. So it's showing like wholesome family fun recorded with Snapchat glasses. That's not what they do. It's for kids. It's for teens, right? It's for young people, which is the ad that eventually went out. But there were elements of it that looked exactly the same, like some of the product shots and stuff. So my feeling is this was a video that maybe came from an agency, but was a rejected video. Am I making sense? Yeah, like this sense. wasn't yeah. the one that they were going to go with because what they went with was someone on like Venice Beach skateboarding and high fiving with their buds. Right, that that's more the Snapchat kind of aesthetic, and it's not a criticism; it's just kind of where they operate. But anyway, so this leaked out, and then Snapchat got ahead of it, and they put up a bunch of press. Uh, I think there was a Wall Street Journal article, like a profile that kind of went up quite quickly. I assume that was scheduled for Monday morning, but it went up on Friday instead, right? Yeah, and then they got Friday up a bunch night. of product pages. So uh, yeah, let's talk about Snapchat spectacles. So. Snapchat, the company, this is part of it, has now rebranded 
themselves to Snap Inc. And Snap Inc. now make Snapchat, Spectacles, and in the future, some other products. Right, so okay. this, is, this is like a whole thing. So it reminded me of when Apple rebranded from Apple Computer to just Apple. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's the company outgrowing its original vision and, and moving forward. Snapchat now call themselves a camera company, which is a very mm. interesting way to describe themselves. Okay. The first product of Snap Inc. is spectacles. These glasses, so they're, they're glasses that you put on your face, they record 10-second clips when you tap a button on the side of them, but you can tap it a few times to get a video of a maximum of 30 seconds. That's the maximum clip that you can get from them. They will transfer these videos to your phone over wireless or Bluetooth, um, depending on the operating system that you use of choice, depends on how easy one of those two things are. Um, it kind of t- takes a preference on Android and iOS over which one it uses. But if you don't have your phone with you, the spectacles will store the video and then you can transfer it later. Uh, they record using a wide-angle lens, which I find this part very interesting. Is said to be more like the human field of vision. And what I think is the most genius part of all of this is they actually record circular video. And they do this so you can view the video on a device in any orientation without flipping the video. So let's say you've got somebody and they're recording a Snapchat video and you have your phone in portrait, but then you realize it would be better in landscape. You can rotate your phone but the video kind of stays fixed in place and your phone rotates around it. Hmm. Now, I have put a link to a tweet in the show notes which has a GIF that highlights how this works because, again, it's something that's very difficult to explain. But the video doesn't flip. Just the, the kind of the video stays in place and your phone kind of rotates around it. Am I doing a good job of explaining this? I'm going to watch the GIF. Look at the GIF. That's in the show notes, and you'll you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about here. Does that make sense now? Oh, oh yes. Okay, I see. This is clever. It's very it's clever, of, right? Yeah, I mean, you're using the the circular uh, video to rotate around it and to adjust for different uh, form factors. Mm-hmm. I guess I want to know how they know how to center the video correctly, like how it doesn't, uh, you know, move to the right or left edges of... So in your example, I'm looking at an image of a dog and in landscape, there's a horizontal layout and the dog is in the center of the picture. And then when you rotate to portrait, the dog is still in the center of the frame. I guess I want to know how to they balance this without moving off to the left or right. Because it's per- perfectly in the in the center of the of the screen. I think that might just be to show perfect demonstration. It might yeah. get a bit wonky yeah. in places, but irregardless, this is a great way of yeah, dealing. It's with very that. clever. Yes, um, the cameras themselves. There, there's a camera on each of the corners of the lenses where, like, the arm of the lens begins, like where the hinge is, right on the front. The the two cameras they have lights around them, which indicate to people when you're recording, and you also see a light on the inside of the glasses. To, pr- to show you that it's recording so you know that you've got it um, Snapchat say that uh, or 
Evan Spiegel, CEO of Snapchat, said in a bunch of, or Snap, I should say, in a bunch of uh, interviews, that you should get all-day battery life from the Spectacles, and it comes in a case that has a battery inside them, like the AirPods, um, and you can get four full days of charge from the case's battery. So when you put them in the case, they charge, which is kind of amazing. I love that. I love yeah. that kind of that kind of thinking. The glasses come in one size and three colors, black, teal, and coral. And uh, Spiegel said that they're kind of treating spectacles as a toy product from Snap. I think what they're trying to do is attempt to downplay the importance of this product in case they have a Google Glass incident on their hands in that nobody really seems to care and it just gets ridiculed, right? I think that's what they're doing here. They have a... They're setting themselves quite a low bar and just saying that this is something that they wanted to see kind of how people thought of it. They're making them in very low quantities to start with. Distribution will be limited. I think they're just trying to hedge their bets with it, which I think is the right way to go because this is a new thing. Who knows how people will really react to this? Um, I don't think that... I I mean, I think it's a categorical fact that you don't look as ridiculous in these as you did in Google Glass because they just look like kind of slightly strange sunglasses as opposed to this weird non-glass like this weird visor you put on your head with this huge one arm and no glass in them you know Mm -hmm. um so i think that their first kind of shot out the gate is better than google's first shot out of the gate and i know that glass got better looking but at that point it was tainted i think uh snapchat is at a fundamental level is more cool than google yeah, like they, they understand got, how to make something that looks cool. Because I think these look cool. Yeah, and they know how to market their stuff to people, even when those features can be potentially creepy, like the same features advertised from Google and Snapchat. Google is going to make them sound creepy. Snapchat is going to make them sound cool or like whatever. If you want, you can use it. If you don't, it's okay. Like they have this attitude of not pushing too much but at the same time i think that lack of insistence makes people want to try those features does it make any sense like by saying look it's a toy like it's no big deal people are like yeah but i want to check it out instead if you go all the way out and be like this is the future you gotta wear glasses you gotta document every single moment of your life people can be hey yeah it's kind of creepy i don't know so i i think they have a way they have an excellent marketing department, first of all. And they have a way to introduce new features that others are going to copy because you can bet on Instagram copying some of these things eventually. Uh, and they have a way to test this new stuff progressively, slowly. But sure enough, they're basically leading the, you know, they are the social network to follow at this point. And Facebook knows this. That's why they pay attention to Snapchat. That's why they copy Snapchat. And now about these glasses. I do want to make one quick correction for myself. Mm. There is one camera and one light thing. So they're mirrored. So it looks like there's two cameras. But it's one is a camera and one is a light on the other side. It's not two cameras. I I feel like some people are going to be... Turned off by the idea of wearing a camera, just because um, it's it's very difficult to sell people on the idea of wearing a camera on your face. But if anyone can do it, I feel like the idea of Snapchat sunglasses is probably the best idea of the bunch. Um, 
it's the, it fits more into their core product. Yes, than uh, than Google Glass fits into Google's. I think. I mean, especially because when you wear the sunglasses, you know it's going into your story. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you when you wear the Google Glasses, where does it go? Does it go to Google servers? Is there like Sergey Brin watching my footage somewhere, like in a data center or something? Like the idea of okay, now I want to document my day. I want this footage to go into my story makes people puts people more at ease than the idea of Google creepingly observing you and what you see at the family barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I feel like, um, I mean, I don't know if I would wear the sunglasses. And by being sunglasses, it means these are meant to be used when you're outside, unless you're one of those people like Liam Gallagher always wearing sunglasses. Um, but I guess it makes sense more to put them on at specific times uh, now, we don't know in terms of how do you review all of your footage. Is it going to be just like a video on your camera roll that you got to choose to upload to Snapchat? Is there going to be like a special interface in the Snapchat app? Uh, we, have, we we don't know yet. It puts them into your memories. By default, okay. Yeah, and then I, I think from there you can post them. All right, yeah. Makes sense. See, they have a way to introduce these features without being too creepy about them. Yeah. Uh, I know that some people are going to be like, these glasses are ugly. I don't want to wear them. Why do I need to wear glasses to use Snapchat? And that's the point. I don't think you will need the glasses to use Snapchat. Not today, not anytime in the near future. But they're sort of taking the first steps. If they truly believe in the camera company, uh, instead of being like a social network with an app... If they want to be a camera company, it's time to get started with the idea of going beyond the app and going beyond the camera made by Apple. Because it means Snapchat wants to make their own cameras uh, with their own features, uh, custom built for their own network. Um, It makes sense. I don't know if it's going to take off. I don't know if it's going to be available internationally. I don't know if it's going to be more than a toy. But of all the wearable cameras, I mean, this is like a GoPro for the masses done in a fashionable way. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense. Like it goes down to just little things that that I like from like a branding perspective. You know, they own spectacles.com now. Um and I don't know why I think this is interesting, but I just do. They have a rotating kind of full page of models that go yeah. backwards and forwards. And they 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 do a great job of showing off the colors. But all of the models, are, you only see them from like the top of their shoulders up. They're all naked. And it's just like, that works for Snapchat. And like, and I'm not trying to make a joke or be creepy, but like, it just works for them. And like, and I look at it and I'm like, that is nice photography. That is nice product imagery. I don't look at it and be like, that's super creepy. Like if Google Glass was advertised with naked people, I'd be like, what on earth? earth are you doing see i didn't even notice this i didn't even pay attention I i've just only looked- noticed it because i've had the page open for a minute but oh, it's yeah, just right. it fits it just fits and i don't think you're meant to be like they're necessarily naked people maybe they are maybe they're wearing swimsuits like it kind of doesn't matter but it's like this just fits with this company and it shows the difference that they they are a, they have an app and one of those popular apps in the world and now they're making technology products they're not a technology company. They're just not. They're just not a technology company. Like their CEO, I think he's married to or is in a long-term relationship with a supermodel. Yeah. 
and he's a good-looking guy. He's a fashionable guy, right? Like they are a very different company, and that comes across in in kind of everything that they do. I think I am not a Snapchat user. Um, I I don't like the application, um, and with some exceptions, I don't really have many friends that use it. Uh, all of my friends use Instagram for their ephemeral content now, and that has continued as stories on Instagram has remained. So I, it doesn't really gel with me, but I appreciate what the company's doing. I can see what they're doing. I think what they're doing is interesting stuff. I actually think this is kind of a brilliant product because it is simple. It looks really good. It doesn't try and hide what it is. It embraces what it is and puts a big yellow ring around the camera. Like it, it embraces what it is. I think the details are really good. And I like that they're owning it as well and saying that it's kind of a toy and an experiment right now. Um, I hope this does really well for them because I think it's really interesting. I feel like, and this is going to totally sound like an old person wanting to get into the action, but I feel like we need to pay attention to Snapchat and I feel like we need to understand it. Well, I pay attention to it and I understand it from a what the company's doing and what the product is. No, I mean, I want to use it. I just don't like using it. Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm forcing myself to use it, but I... I'm I'm making an effort to see what I'm missing out because I don't want to... Again, it comes down to what I talked about uh, or I, I guess I, I thought I covered on the podcast. Anyway, I don't want to end up one day being irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And by irrelevant, I mean by not knowing how to relate to a new audience that doesn't know me because I feel like when I was new to, you know, to... To, to the Apple scene with Mac stories initially, uh, Twitter was new. And so I found a new audience for my new website and we were new together. And I don't want to be, and I don't want to end up at the point where the, the website is like 10 years old and all of the, you know, the young generations have moved to, moved to Snapchat and I don't know what's up and I'm just that guy in a corner writing stuff on his website and he doesn't know how to talk to people anymore. So, you know, I feel like even if I don't like it in places, I want to at least make an effort to see why people like it, why people use it, and to try and make connections there, if it makes any sense. Uh, because I don't want to be... It's not just one, not being left out, but losing the ability to understand new things, right? So, right. Shall I try it with you? Should we try and I'm go on this experiment it. I'm together? using it, Mike. No, I've already started the experiment. I'm just waiting for you. All right, you're going to help me? Because I really don't get it. Like, I mean, not right now. I mean, although I think it would be a kind of fun episode. You're just trying to explain Snapchat to me. Sure. Uh, but I'm downloading it again. And uh, I'll put links in the show notes to p- the way that people can add us. Is that how you do it? Yeah, you can share the username or you can share the snap code, which is like a custom QR code with with your selfie inside. It's kind of fun. It's like a ghost uh, with the QR code and your selfie inside the ghost silhouette. It's fun. Um, Something to keep in mind. Unlike the Instagram stories, now it could be that I'm ignorant and I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's no no view count for your uh, story on Snapchat. So what I'm doing is I subscribe to DJ Khaled because this is what you do when you sign sign up for Snapchat. You subscribe to DJ Khaled. You subscribe to Apple Music. So you start, you start following those stories. And I gotta say DJ Khaled is very inspirational to me. It's very motivational. The stuff that he says. Um, 
And then I, I basically uh, I'm documenting moments of my day, like random things. And they're going out into the wild. Someone, I guess, is watching them because a few people have replied to my, to my videos and, you know, stupid pictures. But I don't know how many people are watching them. I don't know how many people follow me because I don't know if there's a friend count. Well, I, I just swiped down on the top and it says iMike and then there's a line and then it says 411. And I what don't know what that? that means, but I assume that's people. For me, it says 78. I'm way more popular than you, then, I guess. I think those are points. Those are not people. I have way more than 78 people, Mike. How do you know that? You don't know the view count. I'm scrolling the added me list, and oh. there's way more than 78 people. So what there. is added me, then? It's like people who added you. And what what does that mean? I don't know, but now I got 79 under my profile. See, we're totally sounding like two dads trying yeah. the new social network this is awkward mike but it's also amazing at the same time all right um, i want to try it but like how do people follow me like you gotta the, share your username like and, you gotta well open, i'm iMike, of course swipe down and tap on the share icon in the top left and then yeah, i'm iMike. i am yk obviously so, so go add mike i'm gonna search for mike add friends i already have you here oh yeah i've got you in my recent updates why can I not see? Uh, okay, I Mike. Hey, buddy. So, okay, so I guess the, do do I need to be friends with people? I don't need to be friends with anyone. So they can just follow me. They can see my yeah. snaps. So I'm I've yeah. just taken a picture of the screen, which uh, I'm Federico Vitici, by the way. I'm not like just Vitici, but Federico Vitici. So I put it in my story, right? And that's how everybody sees what, it. What did you put in your story, Mike? It's just it's just a picture of the <laughs> web page that says iMike on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it. You did put a picture of a web page. Yeah, it's just a picture of the Snapchat <laughs> download page. Make sure to follow DJ Khaled, Mike. It's going to give you a lot of inspirational messages. Do you know right. who DJ Khaled is? I... I'm familiar with the man You're who talks familiar. about keys that are major. Yes, yes, the major keys, the another one, you know, that that type of stuff. Is it what is he? DJ Khaled three zero five or what is it? just DJ Khaled? DJ Khaled just I don't know, I just searched for DJ Khaled, Mike. I have no idea which one's the right one though. Official it's, stories. Okay, I'm gonna go with the, official the stories. With, the one with the key. The one with the key, Mike. The one with a key on it. Okay. Well, there That's you go, the everyone. Guy. This is uh, Mike and Federico <laughs> try and be down with the kids. Yes. Not completely understanding anything that they're doing. No, but I'll tell you what. I've actually, I've been reading a few of the, the featured stories, like from IGN, from CNN, BuzzFeed, has a great Snapchat presence. And there's custom layouts with, like, videos. I mean, they're obviously articles meant to target younger people because there's, like, a lot of Cute graphics, simple explanations, videos, like drawings. It's meant for a younger generation. But you can still consume the news if you want. And I've been reading a few articles on Snapchat and it, there's a lot of stuff to discover. The interface can be confusing, but once you lay out the different horizontal panes in the, in the UI, it kind of makes sense. Uh, there's also the new memories uh, feature that you can access by swiping up from the camera interface. 
there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to discover. But I feel like, I mean, if millions of people are using this, either they are all crazy, which is not the most likely explanation, or me and you, we need to, you know, get on with the times, maybe. John is sending me text messages. John Voorhees telling me to add him on Snapchat. So now I'm doing that. You're talking to John on He's Snapchat. sending me text messages Why is right now. no one sending me messages? Because everybody knows you and is already friends with you. No, I'll see one person added me and it's Jonathan. I'm, I'm going to guess that Jonathan is listening to Connected, so I feel like I want to be friends with Jonathan. So by the way, people listening to the show, not live, this is going to sound super weird, but stuff is happening in the past. So I guess stuff happened in the past when we were recording. So now if you're listening to the show, feel free to add me and Mike to Snapchat. Yep. Uh, you will be able to see all of the great computer screen pictures from Mike. I posted a selfie too. Oh, that's you. That's, re- that's really you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Though people know it's me. Yeah. So uh, there was a great story uh, today in the uh, Snapchat about uh, dog surfing. Okay. And they were actually dogs surfing with swimsuits for dogs and sunglasses for dogs. And it was amazing. Like, I spent way too much time looking at dogs surfing. It was really good. Really good story. Anyway, that's Snapchat, Mike. Make sure to have fun with it. I mean, I guess we'll never get Steven to try this. So, of course, it's something that we do when Steven's not around. We're not going to launch a Snapchat dedicated podcast like we did that time when we launched a video game podcast. But uh, there's something... I have a notification now, and I don't know what the notification is for. So you're going wa- to want to delete this very shortly. I know that that feeling, Mike, because I did it many times before. Leave it installed for the night and start browsing a few stories just to get an idea. Then maybe tomorrow, if it doesn't stick with you, just delete the app. But don't delete it right away. All right, I'm going to try. Oh, hang on. I have to take a picture of myself. Yes. Please oh, take no. a Oh, it's a, it's a video or something? What's it taking? Yeah, a it, can, of... it can be like a GIF inside Why is it doing of... this? I want it to stop. No, no, don't stop. All right, if, you well, look, if you look at my snap code, it's me doing silly faces. I'm just making lots of different eye motions in front of my microphone. This yes. is terrible, terrible podcasting. <laughs> so I'm going to take a break and thank our <laughs> friends over at Pingdom for supporting this week's show. You can start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash connected. You'll get a 14-day free trial. And when you enter the offer code connected at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice pingdom is completely focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everybody who has a site and they do this by offering powerful and easy to use tools and services for example if you're a pingdom user which you should be monitoring the availability and performance of your server database or website will be a breeze because they will emulate visits to your website from over 70 global test servers around the globe That's why they're global, and they will check your availability as often as every single minute. One of my favorite features about Pingdom, because we're a a Pingdom user at RelayFM, is they send a little report on the weekend which tells you how much uptime you had and how well your website performed in the week. And And if it was all good, it's like a little merit badge for yourself. You know, you're like, yay, well done me, I have a good website. Talking about good websites... 
Websites are big these days. Good websites are full of lots of stuff. And all of this stuff is dependencies, these little things that can go wrong. Maybe contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, login functionality, search functionality. It's way more now than just monitoring the uptime of your entire website because all of these little elements can go wrong independently. Maybe some of them come from outside and they're all maybe hosted in different areas and because you want to keep things split up. All of this stuff can break, can all break independently. Pingdom can monitor all of it. It's not just about your whole website. All you need to do is give Pingdom the URL you wish to monitor. They'll take care of the rest. When they detect an outage, they will alert you immediately so they can fix the error before that downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site, so you need Pingdom. Go check it out today by going to pingdom.com slash connected for a 14-day free trial and use the code connected to get 20% off at checkout. Be the first to know when your site is down. Go check out Pingdom. Thank you so much to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Now, Federico. Mike. I have an Amazon Echo arriving within the next day or two. All right. Okay. And I want you to tell me all of the things that I should be considering, maybe some of the things that I should think about, some examples, some stuff that you're doing, mm. so I can be prepared for my Amazon Echo. So do you still use Yon a lot? I know that you were really happy about getting your Amazon Echo. Yeah. A um, couple of questions, Mike. Mm-hmm. Do you use Apple Music or Spotify? I use Apple Music, but I have a Spotify account. Okay. Do you have currently any smart home devices like lights or sensors whatever i bought two wemo plugs the smart plugs okay and when we move whenever that is i'm gonna get a bunch of hue bulbs but i'm not gonna buy them now in case they don't fit in the new place which would be crazy all right so what you can do is you can connect your spotify account because the uh, spotify integration with the echo is amazing it can actually be your default music service um, if you look into the Alexa settings. So first, download the Alexa app for the iPhone, which is nothing but a web app, uh, but it logs every single request so you can view a history of your commands and you can change the settings. And among these settings is an option to make Spotify the default player. Otherwise, the Echo uses the Amazon whatever music uh, instead of Spotify. So uh, the integrations are called skills, but you already know that. Uh, look for uh, the service that you use, whether it's the Philips Hue lights or the Wemo, Spotify. Just search for their, uh, for their name and you will be able to set up the integration. I use my Echo for um, lights every day, uh, music, even though now I'm listening via Apple Music. So uh, I I. I haven't tried Spotify in a while, but when I was a Spotify user uh, for the past six months, I use it every day. Um, lights, uh, wall outlets, so like my Wemo, you can assign custom names to those uh, devices. So for example, the Wemo that is connected to my uh, espresso machine, I called it the coffee maker. So now I can just say, Alexa, turn on my coffee maker, and it turns on the Wemo. So I've given a nickname to devices via Alexa, it's a neat feature uh anything else like i you can check for the news you can like get uh, audio summaries for like npr or like i don't know if there's the new york times in it i'm again i'm not sure if you set up the echo in the uk what, what it's gonna be like 
I think uh, they have some integrations with some UK companies. Yeah, but I guess the the things that I use it the most is music, lights, Wemo, and timers. I know that I can do all of this to an extent with the with Siri, but it's just easier to. I don't want to say shout, but just to talk to Alexa in the kitchen, um, because you don't have to. You don't have to yell with Siri, and you don't have to put up with Siri's inconsistencies. And because Alexa is a much bigger device with many more microphones and bigger microphones, it does a better job at picking up your voice and picking up your accent and your requests. I mean, uh, I have a relatively small apartment, but I can talk to Alexa from the bathroom, and Alexa's in the kitchen, and she's going to understand me. Hmm. So it's it's very nice. Oh, you can also trigger... Um, Ift recipes. Right. So, for example, if you hook up the canary to Ift, you can say, turn on my camera. And it, when you leave the house, you can just shout that command to Alexa and it will turn on the canary. So, do you use any other IFTTT things? I guess just it kind of unlocks a world of possibility at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I use it uh, with many things, which is a camera service that I use with yep. my old iOS devices. So, I can say, turn on the camera and it goes to Ift. And these recipes, they're instant. So it takes like two seconds for Alexa to trigger the if the recipe. And you can check in the Alexa app if you want to make sure that the recipe went through. Uh, otherwise, what I do is when I'm about to leave, I tell Alexa to turn on the camera. I stand in front of the camera. I make like a waving motion just to make sure that I get the notification on my phone that I know it's working. So I'm very excited about this. Because I've wanted one of these for ages, and I always said that I was going to kind of just wait. Um, but this is part of my like overall feeling of wanting to have a smart, connected home. And I've been looking around, and there really isn't a lot of products. Like it feels like that there aren't a a, a ton of smart home devices, you know, especially stuff that works with either HomeKit. Or the Echo. Like my original thinking was to get every home device that I buy to work with both of those services, but that's just a, a fool's errand because they don't. It's like maybe one. Like the Philips Hue lights, they seem to work with both HomeKit yes. and uh, Alexa, Echo, whichever you'd like to call it. It's the same product. Um, in case we're being unclear. Um, but outside of that, it seems like more stuff is currently working with with the Echo than, than with HomeKit. And uh, I like the fact that there is this whole realm of possibility with the skills. So, like, in the because it's officially launching in the UK, you have a US version that you use in Italy. They have got a bunch of UK-specific skills that have been brought on. So, like, I can get recipes from Jamie Oliver. Um, we have a takeaway app here called Just Eat, which I can use. I'm um, a big so, fan of Just Eat. <laughs> there you go. See, we were talking about, I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it's they have like National Rail. I like that you can order an Uber straight from the Echo. Um, that sort of stuff is really cool, and I'm looking forward to that. But I also want to really spend some time digging into what I can do with IFTTT because there are so many apps and services and things that I could potentially build upon it kind of feels 
amazing, right? Like there, there's like a a whole huge list of possibilities of things that I could do once I really start digging into IFTTT. Like even just triggering things on my phone using the IF app and. Yeah, it feels like that there's a lot there. And when you start, comp- I, I feel like I want to try and build some things related to workflow and Alexa and just kind of really play around and tinker with some weird and wonderful things that I might be able to do. You can go back to in the Club Max stories archive and you will find when I went crazy and built a custom Alexa skill using a bit of Python code to send an email to to do using Alexa which has now been updated to send an email to Todoist using Alexa. So I can now just shout things at the Echo to save them in my to-do inbox, Todoist inbox, so I can find them later. It's kind of amazing, but you can go all the way in if you know your way around code and Amazon Web Services and Amazon Lambda. Uh, You can make custom skills, you you can execute code, you can come up with custom... Uh, dictionaries for Alexa. It's I, I mean the the developer platform is quite well done. And if you I mean if you're if you like to thinker, I mean I I gotta say I followed the the, tor- the tutorial from someone else and then I modified the script to my needs. But you can go crazy with the Alexa skills when you just sign up for the Alexa developer portal. It's free and you can make custom skills and can go crazy. It's very nice. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, Mike. I want to quickly mention I tried. For the, the very first time, a ride-sharing services, uh, service in Rome. Not ride-sharing, but kind of like an Uber competitor. So it's called My Taxi, and it's this service which is available in Europe, and it's also available in Italy. It's I guess it's owned by a conglomerate that Mercedes, like the, the, brand, the auto brand, is somewhat involved with this company. Like, they have a majority stake, I don't know. Anyway, the taxi industry is not happy with uber in italy because of regulations and like uber's aggressive tactics i don't really follow the the politics of that anyway i knew that my taxi this new company launched i think last year and uh, a few months later uh, launched in milan and then a few months later it uh, launched in rome it's like uber uh only you call a taxi and it works just like uber you have an iphone app you can pay with your credit card, uh, you can leave a tip to the driver, which is, I think it's different from Uber. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can leave a review or because it's a taxi, if you want, you can also pay with cash. Uh, so I needed to be somewhere in Rome a few days ago and I tried my taxi. Uh, something you can do, and I showed this to Mike and John, it was very cool. You can uh, pre-order a taxi, like you can schedule a pickup and you can schedule a pickup up to four days in advance, which is really convenient because if you need to be like at the airport or you need to be at, at a meeting, uh, you can just make sure that a car will be there to pick you up. And they give you a name of the driver, the photo of the driver. Uh, and then it's like Uber, you see a map, you see a preview of the car moving around. And I had a, a car to pick me up at like five to five. And at just like a minute later, like a four minutes to five, it was there, like very precise. Uh, the interface was really well done. Uh, I didn't need to use my car. I could just use the taxi. You call it from the iPhone, pay with my iPhone and the credit card. It was very nice. Um, it's not like Uber, not as fancy. Uh, you drive in actual taxis. 
Uh, and, you know, the, the taxis in Rome are not that fancy. Uh, but it doesn't matter as long as, you know, got me to my destination. And uh, it was very nice. You, I, I appreciated the fact that I could leave a tip for the driver. I, do, I know that I'm not supposed to, but the drivers were really nice. They were really conversational and cordial to me. So, you know, I don't mind. Um, yeah, my taxi. If you live in Italy, if you wanted to try something like Uber, make sure to check it out. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the Apple Maps integration in iOS 10 yet. I say yet because they have Google Maps integration. So if you're looking at a, a address in Google Maps, uh, and if you live in Rome, you can uh, directly inside the Google Maps app for iPhone, you will see the option to uh, hail a my taxi directly from Google Maps, which oh, cool. is the same integration that Uber has. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose they're working on a similar integration for Apple Maps in iOS 10. So yeah, pretty cool. I love if this, you know, if you get one thing out of this show, it's the latest in ride sharing services. Yes, of course. Of course. If you Mike. want to find our show notes for this week's episode, head over to relay.fm slash connected. Um, and if you want to support our sponsors, oh, it's slash 110. Relay.fm, this is why I need you to read the URL. Relay.fm slash connected slash 110. Please support our sponsors because they help support us this week. This show was brought to you by the great people over at Smile with Text Expander, FreshBooks, and Pingdom. If you want to find Federico online, he's at maxstories.net. Uh, Stephen, who is currently at the release note conference, is at firetalpixels.net. Um, Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. I'm also iMike on Snapchat. And Federico, you are what? Federico Vitici? Federico Vitici on Snapchat and Vitici on Twitter. Look at that. We're so we're we're down with those kids now. We're cool. You could be cool like us and add us on Snapchat. Until then, until next time, until another time into the future. Say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Oh man, you gotta say adios. Alright, adios. <laughs>